the potential is there and people who don't believe that or recognize it and don't or don't know how to communicate it and are very practically minded will come across as just shutting something down mm -hmm. having that experience might have contributed to my aversion to even having those conversations. I was like, yeah. well, I don't like how that feels. I'm just gonna keep dreaming big. It hurts less to dream big and fail than it does to be told I can't do something. Welcome to In the Boat with Ben and Rachel. I'm Ben. And I'm Rachel. And this show exists to be an encouragement and a motivator for people who are creative and trying to get more done with their creative work, trying to feel like they're worthy of producing and sharing work. We want to encourage and help creators and just speak from our own experiences. And hopefully that makes you feel less alone or like, wow, I really have it together compared to those people. <laughs> so today's topic came from some comments we got last week, and I should have written, because I know there were some questions in there. Maybe it was a comment, but one of our viewers last week, Simeon, made some comments about some things that we were talking about with dreaming big and, and really specifically to do with the things that I was talking about wanting to do with the launch of this podcast and some ideas I had around that. And I thought, wow, that would be a really interesting topic to cover because, you know, I, I have kind of these big aspirations and these big ideas. And then there are other people who would look at that and be like, oh, okay, well, let's slow down a little bit Scale here. down. Yeah. And so I kind of, I want to talk about the difference between those things in our relationship. I feel like there's kind of a good complementary system going on. And at the same time, I also recognize like I've got some baggage that I bring to the way that I think about dreaming big and making big plans and stuff like that, where I tend to not always receive well the advice to scale back and be a little bit more practical and that kind of thing. And I don't know, do I ever tend to challenge you to think or dream bigger than you usually do? Or do you feel like you've got a, um, a pretty good relationship with that already? I don't know that we've actually talked about some of that stuff in a really long time. So I always, I feel like whenever I talk about dreams, I'm a little more tentative than you are maybe. So I feel like the times that we've actually talked about it, you have a certainty about the dream coming true and stuff. And I'm more of like the reserved if it happens, I'll be super happy. But if not, like you try not to get and it probably goes back to childhood baggage and stuff, too. Just like don't get your hopes up because mm -hmm. they don't usually come true kind of thing, you know. So I think we come from a little bit different places in that. Well, let's let's go back in time a little bit, because I had some things that I was reminded of as I was thinking about this topic, some very specific instances from my childhood. And so. I was my, my babysitter. I can't remember. I must have been, I don't know, like seven or eight maybe. And I remember we were driving somewhere and I had a notepad and I was drawing. And at the time 
I had gotten into this phase of like drawing and mapping out amusement parks. Mm. Like I was, I was all about like designing roller coasters and, and stuff like that. I must've said something and I like, I remember we were driving on a highway and we were driving past kind of like, you could see the city. It was, it was a place where like I was living at the time and I was like, I'm going to build an amusement park here someday. And she said, well, probably not. That takes a lot of money. And I don't, in my memory, she was just like, really like, you stupid kid. No. But probably in reality, she was just being an adult. Mm -hmm. Like, practically speaking, that's probably not going to happen because it takes a lot of money mm -hmm. to build an amusement park. Yeah. I mean, so I have that memory. When I was living in Colorado, we had 20 acres of land and I drew, I, it was kind of a similar thing. We had gone on this trip a few months before that to Lake Powell and we were on a houseboat and had jet skis. I was thinking about like all of this fun stuff that I love doing, like mm -hmm. being on the houseboat, the jet skis, water parks, uh, go-kart rate. Like I was like, what if, what if on this, these 20 acres of land, we built all of these things. Mm. And so I made this huge map. Like I had this big piece of butcher paper and I made this huge map and drew all of all of the things and kind of built them into the existing landscape somehow in there i, I had also like found a way to bring the ocean to us so we, we had beachside oh wow so that was definitely not practical at all and my mom was really encouraging I, she looked at it and she was like oh that's so cool and kind of dove into the imagination of it and never said anything like, oh, we could never do this here, you know? Yeah. And so I think about those two different kind of experiences, mm -hmm. you know, like I've, I've got a handful of other examples I can think of. I was in class one day and I re remember hearing some kids talking about like how they wanted to be professional football players. And our science teacher was like, oh, the chances of any of you yeah. becoming professional football players is so low. And I still like to this day, I can't believe an educator would say that to a child. Yeah. But, it's hard not to be an adult when you're faced with child, you know, their big aspirations. Yeah. So I, I and I don't know, I don't know if the way that I think about things today, like I'm, I'm talking about those two specific mm -hmm. experiences. I don't feel like I ever lost that. Like I want to dream big. I want to have big ideas. And there's this kind of idealism that plays into that. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. But I think the sting of the practical and what I remember of that was so harsh that I tend to ignore that even when it's coming from myself. Yeah. So I, I want to hear if you have any examples in your past but I know you were going to say something, so I don't know. Oh, I was, I was just going to say, I mean, I don't know everything there is about, you know, personality theory and all of that. But, you know, there are the pessimists and the optimists. And I, I tend to refer to myself as a realist, which is, you know, kind of a glorified way of saying pessimist. But I don't approach everything with pessimism. And I think that's where, you know, the realism kind of comes in. Yeah. But I definitely think there are things that are rooted in childhood and, and the ways that we had to, you know, I mean, I was necessarily, my mom worked a lot and she was a single parent. And so I kind of had to like take care of my brother and sister. And so there's a realism about 
the things that I approach and the things that I feel like are possible to do with the time that I have and the skills that I have and all of those things. So I I think there's definitely like a childhood element to all of that as well. I do remember, I mean, I've known I wanted to be an author since I was like five or six and I had no problem telling everybody that that was what I was going to be. And I don't remember ever having anybody specifically say like, no, you can't, you can't do that because I had a talent for writing and people recognized that really early. And then my mom would always supply writing materials and all of that and kept all of my stories and that was special. There were people along the way who wouldn't come out and say, you can't do that, but you could kind of feel from them like, that's just a pipe dream because, you know, being an author is really hard work. Yeah. And but I think the way that it made me feel growing up was like, well, I'm just going to show them, you know, like yeah. I had that, you know, that I don't even know what you would call it. Just the the urge to prove people wrong. And there was I think about this often in college there. I took a creative writing class and did poetry Like it was specializing in poetry. The professor there, I remember on several of my poems, would just write terrible commentary on it and stuff. We had personality differences. And I remember him writing at one point, yeah, I don't think you should go into poetry and like you're never, you're not going to be able to make it in this because your poems aren't deep enough or something. And my first novel was a novel in verse, which is a novel in poetry, my first traditionally published. And I was like, see, I can do this, you know, kind of can, thing. Yeah. Can we, f- can we figure out who that professor is? Oh, and I know mail who them he was. A, can we mail them a copy? I don't know if he still works at my college, but yeah, I still know his name. What's ironic is that I remember his name, but I don't remember, like I had a Shakespeare professor who was very, very encouraging and I don't remember his name. And how sad is that? It's like you remember the jerk professor, but you don't remember the one who encouraged you and what you wanted to do. And so, yeah. Anyway, all that to say, I I feel like my way of approaching things is kind of, I mean, it, it feels differently than yours. And I think it's because I just, I happen to be a more realistic kind of person. I don't know that I approach many things with idealism because I don't know if it's personality or if it's because of like trauma in childhood and being disappointed with the idealism that I took to certain situations, you know, and never wanting to do that again kind of thing. That's probably something to explore with my therapist. (laughs) Yeah. So, and now that we're parents and we're kind of, you know, hearing from our kids about things they want to do and aspirations they have, I can see some of that same idealism and I'm still like, I I feel like for me, the jury's still out on whether or not idealism is ultimately a bad thing. But I, I do believe that it needs to be tempered. I do too. I think they both need to balance each other out because if, if all you do is approach things with idealism, you don't look at the real picture and take the necessary steps that it takes to get to that dream, you know? Or if your dream is too big, you don't know the benchmarks to get to the big dream, you know, because there are smaller things along the way. And I think that's where my gift kind of comes in with your dreaming big is that I can see the the things that we were talking about with this podcast. I can see the necessary benchmarks that we need to cross before we take it to something 
bigger, you know? Yeah. So bringing it to this real example of the podcast, Mm -hmm. what we were talking about was after we've recorded six episodes, we're streaming these live right now. So there there are people who are getting to listen to this and, and watch it before we actually publish the podcast on podcasting services. But when it launches, we will have recorded six episodes and I wanted it to be an event. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be something that we could build some excitement for and invite people to and have a live stream experience like this, have some giveaways. I thought about also, and this was not just part of the launch, but as a part of the podcast, the, the ecosystem or community that we build around this, having some extra things that we do. So maybe like after the regular show and you know we play the outro song and stuff, and then we have this after show that we invite community members only to or something like that. And we could do that in this new platform I found called Wonder. Yeah, he where- was... You were listing off all of these things and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. So I like, I'm just, I'm just like, <laughs> slow it let's, down. Let's do man. this and this and this and this. And you were, you were kind of with me for a little bit. <laughs> and then you were like, okay, wait, you're still going. Okay. <laughs> how is this going to mm-hmm. actually happen? I'm painting this really big picture, but I'm not, I'm not showing any evidence that I've actually thought through the details. Well, and what, What might happen is that you could very well accomplish it for that one event, but then is it sustainable? I mean, you might burn yourself out or there might be a week that we have like today that, you know, things have to be shifted and it's just we have to take the necessary steps first and then scale up kind of thing. Well, and and I think what, what happens for me especially is I get excited about these things and I've gotten better about thinking through the details, but I don't, I definitely don't feel like I'm at a place where I'm vetting something enough to really be able to make a solid commitment. And you're also not a detail oriented person. And so I think that, you know, when you have ideas like this, it's, it's helpful to have a detail oriented person who is, you know, dreaming with you or planning with you or whatever. I mean, I make a to-do list for my rest days, like meditate, drink tea. Like I'm a detail-oriented person. And so those that's the way my brain works, but your brain doesn't work that way. Yeah. And I do think, I don't know. Well, like, what do you think about this? So since we've been together, I feel like I've become- Yeah, you've become better for sure. Much more detail-oriented. And I think I've learn like i've i've kind of built the muscle of asking those questions i feel like it used to be i'd have these ideas you'd ask me questions and i wouldn't have an answer and you would just do it be like we'll we'll figure it out yeah oh man yes you used Um, to do that all the time that's why i got burned out we used to have a band together and i got burned out from it because i would ask like okay, what time is there childcare? do i need to figure out how to and it was like nobody knew anything I don't know. Yeah, we'll figure it out. And that that was code for it wasn't going to get taken care of or you were going to have to figure it out. Exactly. I apologize. (laughs) As as time went on, I feel like I when you had questions, I was already ready with some of those answers. Yeah. And that still doesn't that still doesn't get to like, is this is this actually sustainable? Yeah, you could pull that off. But is that something you can do? week in, week out. Right. And that's that's a really important question. And so having someone who 
hears you and not in a discouraging, like, no, you can't do that kind of way, but in, in a way that's like, okay, I love your ideas. Let's, let's go through the details because if you believe that's worth turning into a reality, there's some things that have to happen. Yeah. And if it's something that you really want to be something that you do long-term, there might be a version of it that works for now. So you can't do, you know, version, version three, but maybe, maybe there's a version one. Yeah. That you can do for now. Look at that. You said one and I said 1.5. Wow. Look (laughs) at the progress already. Yeah. But, but I think that's, that's the key. And that, and so I really think there's something to that experience of having somebody just shut you down because they see the holes, they see the, the practical Mm-hmm. limitations, but they don't know how to communicate belief and support. Because I think what's true is for most people, their dreams are really just a matter of working out those details in the right circumstances over the right amount of time. And that the potential for reaching those dreams or for accomplishing that thing, or for me having you know, this version of the podcast that I want to have, the potential is there. And people who don't believe that or recognize it and don't, or don't know how to communicate it and are very practically minded will come across as just shutting something down. Mm -hmm. Having that experience might've contributed to my aversion to even having those conversations. I was like, I don't like how that feels. I'm just going to keep dreaming big. It hurts less to dream big and fail than it does to be told I can't do something. Yeah, that's true. And I think I've softened to that over time. Yeah. Because I'm hearing from somebody who does believe in me, who wants me to succeed. Yeah. Hopefully I communicate that. Yeah. But now that you say that, I'm like, mm, I don't know. Do I? But and it's it's with our kids, too. Like, I feel like you're much better about that than I am. Like when one of them comes to me and is like, I'm going to be a pro basketball player. I'm like, huh, okay. You, you mean the shortest one in our family? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they He's can not... be point guards. But yeah, I I was just going to say also that when you were talking about <laughs> your, your version 3.0 or 5.0 with the podcast, what happened for me is, you know, I, I was on board for a little bit of it. And then I started getting these like knots in my stomach as you kept talking. And then like a heavy feeling on my chest. And then my eyes started like tunnel vision. Like it was panic for me. Like I started panicking because I was like, I can't commit to what he wants to do every single week. And I knew that for now, you know, I mean, in the future it could change, but I at least know right now that that's not possible for me. So it just, I, I think that's where the question started coming from and like, trying to trying to bring it down just a, just a little bit, you know. Yeah, and I think I think what's for for people who tend to be big thinkers and big dreamers. And I want to I want to be careful when I say that not to say that like that's the way everybody should think because I think the world is better because there are big thinkers and big dreamers who have detail-oriented practical people partnering with them like stuff wouldn't get done yeah like none of this stuff would get done so i think it's important for me to learn how to communicate that just because i'm thinking and dreaming this way doesn't mean we have to do it yeah yeah, like i'm gonna try to like i'm gonna drive this thing off of a cliff somehow well i think there's a little bit of past too with with some of that stuff like between you and me i have driven it off a cliff before (laughs) right 
But yeah, I think it's in in regards to the way that I approach those things, I sometimes feel like I don't really dream enough. Like this, the beginning of this year, I was going to have a meeting with my agent to kind of talk about what are my plans and goals for my career? And I just sat there thinking, I don't really know because I feel like everything is up in the air and I can't just say I want to have, you know, two or three book deals a year and all of that because I don't control any of that except for the writing the books piece. And so it's just, it's really hard for me to get outside of the practical things and actually say like, this is where I want to be and what I want to do. So I've been trying to work on that. Well, and and that's that's where I, you know, I absolutely believe the advice out there about envisioning because what you envision and what you can believe is possible for yourself, what you can see, you can start to build for and create for and manifest, you know, like I don't I don't know how like there, there are a lot of people that talk about the idea of like manifesting. So what's really interesting, I was listening to a TED talk this morning. This is somewhat related. It was talking about stress. The speaker said that there was a study where they measured, it was, it was some group of like a thousand people or whatever, and they asked questions and took various measurements for like stress levels. And then they asked people what their thoughts or feelings were or beliefs were about stress. And what they found was the people who believed that stress was a negative thing actually ended up having more health problems. Oh, yeah. I've seen all that research. Yeah. Versus the people who didn't think stress was a Mm -hmm. factor, regardless of the actual amount of stress, the circumstances they were in. So so that was that was really interesting. And there's also, you know, like the whole placebo effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's so mysterious to me how that works. Well, the mind does a lot of stuff. I was actually reading in another book about some, you know, people who believed that they were sick. There was one guy who was like testing for some kind of antidepressant drug and he decided he was going to take them all and ended up in the hospital like almost dead. But they found that he was actually on the placebo. Like, isn't that weird? Because his brain just made him think he was ODing. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) It's like it's this, weird. This is that it. Was, I've done that it. was yeah. in uh, the Biggest Bluff, Mar- Maria Konnikova's book. I just finished it, and I was like, "Dang!" Because poker is all about you know the mental game. So it was just really interesting because the you know the the way that the brain. I don't know. I've never tried in volleyball in high school and stuff. They'd make us like envision you know going. I was a spiker, so going up to the net and spiking the ball and stuff. And there, there is some data out there about mm-hmm. like shooting free throws and practicing mm-hmm. and like doing the, you have to build the foundation of actually right. having the physical connection with the muscle but then, and yeah but then they found that like somebody who envisioned themselves mm-hmm. doing that actually received some benefits as if they Without had even done practicing. the actual yeah. practice it's really weird so the anyways is... all that to say the whole manifesting thing yeah. and envisioning i think i think there's really something legitimate to building the practice or the skill of envisioning and dreaming big for yourself because I think what happens is if you don't believe something is possible for you you won't take certain actions mm-hmm. and even even if you are very practical and like you could build a really solid path to whatever that goal was you wouldn't build it because you couldn't see it for yourself and so I think on the other side of it that's something that people who are really practical could benefit from is 
working on that skill. So like I'm kind of having to work on it from the opposite direction where like if I really like I can believe something is possible all day long. But if I never actually build the road map to get there, yeah. then it's not going to happen. It's not possible. Yeah. Well, I wonder. I wonder if there's a difference between the things that I that my brain knows are possible and the things that I actually allow myself to believe are possible. Because I was just thinking about how I still like, even though so much in publishing depends on other people, I still like get back to work and crank out stories. I'm not stopping, you know? And so it's almost like my brain is leading the way and I'm kind of reluctantly dreaming that, oh, this this is a book that will be published kind of. It's like you're in, you're casting into the future kind of thing. I don't know. That's really interesting. I'm going to have to maybe explore that a little. Like maybe my brain knows more than my consciousness knows. I don't know. <laughs> How does that work? Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I think I think I get where you're, you're going with that. So there's what you are aware of, yeah, and what you kind of understand subconsciously. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes those things overlap. What you're aware of and what you believe and think subconsciously just happen to exist in the same place. But I think there are a lot of beliefs and ideas that live in our subconscious that we got from our environment somehow watching TV shows or whatever that we're not we're not necessarily like immediately aware of but they yeah. do shape our behaviors they do cause us to choose one thing over another thing and yet like we we don't fully understand why we made that decision or why we behaved in that way so that's that's super fascinating so yeah. i think it's absolutely possible that somewhere in your subconscious you might believe something more for yourself yeah. than you are consciously aware of. Or even that I consciously allow myself to consider as a hope or a dream. It's almost like my my aware self is blocking it off because it doesn't want to get hurt kind of thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's weird. Wow. This is like a psychology show. I, yeah. I'm just kidding. It gets, you know, it does help, though, for me especially, is meditation. I've been, I love Apple Fitness Plus. And they've done a really, really great job with their meditation. And they have a lot of guided meditations where they kind of take you through some of these, you know, you envision things and you dream things and you, mm -hmm. they have some creativity ones that are really good. So just a little plug there. I don't get any money from Apple Fitness Plus, but yeah, we are, we are not sponsored by Apple <laughs> yet. Dream big. Yeah. Right. Well, this was, this was a really interesting conversation. And I feel like it's actually given me more to think about mm -hmm. than it has answered questions necessarily. But I, I'm hoping that regardless, you know, for, for you who are listening, regardless of where you find yourself on that spectrum of like big dreamers or practical thinkers, I think, I think there are some things that we've learned that you and I have learned in our relationship together and almost kind of by accident, like I haven't <laughs> as purposefully as I would like to set out to be more open to practical thinking and stuff like that. But I feel like, I feel like I kind of learned something about myself in this conversation today. Hopefully for you who are listening, this was enlightening and challenging in the right ways. So, all right, well, that's going to do it for this show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to learn more about this show, you can go to intheboatpodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for our email list. We're going to let you know about things that are coming up, any special events, that kind of thing. Rachel, if people want to find you online, where can they go? 
racheltulson.com. Yeah, that's where all your writing and stuff lives. Yep. You got some exciting projects in the works. Yeah. Do you have anything coming out soon? Uh, next you can summer. Talk about? Yeah. I mean, well, I have some self-published stuff coming out this summer. It's the end of the Farrandale series, which is 20 books. So I'm finally closing up that series and got a scary middle grade book coming later this year. And then next summer I have a really exciting middle grade project coming. How about in the after show? After the music fades. Okay. We'll talk about that a little bit more. If you want to find me, I'm at bentolson.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya. So you you have a lot of really exciting stuff coming up. What I want people to hear about specifically is your Farrandale series. So your last two books are coming out. It's going to close out this 20 book series. Yeah. But talk to me like I'm somebody who's never heard of the Farrandale series. <laughs> I've never heard about that. What is it? Well, it's a it's a series that takes fairy tales and kind of twists them up and uh, tells the story from the villain's perspective. But they're all children, so they, you know, the the most recent one, book 19, is about the Snow Queen, which is a Hans Christian Andersen story, and I think might have been the uh, the inspiration for the ice character in, like, the Ice Queen or something in Narnia. I think oh, that yeah. might have been, because, you know, she lives in a castle that's super cold and all that. So anyway, it takes those. the The final book is going to be the uh, the sea witch from the Little Mermaid. So it takes those things and it kind of tells things from their their perspective how they became that villain, which of course they don't really see themselves as a villain. So okay, that's interesting. So who is who is this book like? Who are these books for? They're for kids around like eight to twelve, but I have quite a few adults who actually really love them. So. It's it's really for anybody who enjoys fairy tales. There's a story that is threaded through all 20 of them about, you know, a king and queen and princess and all of those other characters who um, who come into contact with the fairy tale characters and stuff. So it's kind of fun for kids to, like, you know, guess who these people are and all that. So I, I have actually used some nursery rhymes as well. So you'll be able to see certain other. I think one of the characters in book 19 is Jack from Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail, pail of water. Oh. So, yeah, it's fun to, like, put all these things together. Yeah. And so the, and these are all they're not just like fairy tale retellings. They're all original stories that right. happen to feature yeah, they Those, feature the villains. Yeah. Yeah, the villains of fairy tales. So if I wanted to read like where the first book mm-hmm. in the series, what is that one called? It's called The Treacherous Secret. Okay, so that's like where everything begins. Mm-hmm. It's like the catalyst. Yeah, how much, there's a secret that starts it all. Okay, so how much does that book cost and where can I buy it? Well, the ebook is free on Amazon. And you can also get it in paperback and hardcover, which are not free. But, you know, you could try it out and see what you think. 
So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and plug you can go to racheltolson.com/farendale. Oh yeah. Yeah, the first book is free. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can download that and read it. It's a great series. I mean, you yeah. you've read all of the books to the kids. Yeah, I have. They love so them. We've gotten to enjoy. I know it's 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 a long series, so it's a big commitment, but I feel like it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have written them if I didn't. I think that it was originally supposed to be like 30 books. I was like, no, I can't. I'm and not going to do 30. And were you, you were going to do like five or six a year. Yeah. No, that was, that quickly got shot down. I think I did the first six in one year. And then after that, I was like, it's two, maybe three a year. And I think last year I only did one. It was the mm-hmm. pandemic. Yeah. So this year I'll get two out. So the last two. Awesome. Yeah, check that out, racheltolson.com slash Farendale. Thanks again for tuning in. Yeah, thanks for listening to me talk about my books. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, like we maybe we'll do sponsors at some point with this show, but I I think more than that, like I want to I want to keep this kind of in the family. Like we we are making things yeah. that we believe in, that we think make the world a better place. And we're also talking about things like the reason we have this podcast is because we want to help people do the same thing and so i feel like it's a natural fit for us to share the things we're working on and it's true yeah so all right well thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week